You're tuned in to Positively Terrible. I'm producer Dan, and each week my buddy Scott and I discuss surviving and thriving after trauma. It's a journey that started when Scott, his wife's fiance, and her boyfriend walked into a bar. This week's decent human being is Allie. She's got a fucked up story about death, grief, and the aftermath. Settle in, my terrible listeners. Today's episode is going to be Positively Terrible. Hey, Scott. Dan, what's going on, man? Oh, man, it's been uh, it's been a heck of a morning, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be with you, and I'm really excited about our guest today. I am happy to be here, and I'm also happy to be with you, Dan. It, we've got quite the storm happening outside, and uh, it's a really exciting... Well, oh my, I, I should not say this. I was going to say, I, I put in a flood control system because my basement got a, a a foot of sewer back up the last time we had a huge storm. Uh, and I was going to say, I'm, I'm excited to put it to the test today, but I'm not because that means other people in the community's basements have flooded again. So I, I don't want to wish any bad on them. But if it does happen, I, I'm excited. The, these are the things I get excited about these days, Dan. Uh, flood control systems and HVAC and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, I could spend, maybe we should do an episode all about the ways that we keep our basement dry here in <laughs> Chicago's northwest side. But I, I, uh, my I, basement no. is currently dry. Okay. And every time I hear the sump pump go off, which I can hear from my office right here, it warms my heart. Do you, and do I you know pour that... a cup of coffee and go watch? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So okay. uh, I also have all my... Uh, Basement flood controls uh, on. Uh, uh, <laughs> Should we just on, stop? Co- connected just to stop? the internet, and then I get notifications when things oh, go wait, wrong. Wait, we're talking later. This gets connected to the internet. We're, we're talking oh, yeah. later, but but I don't think Allie or our listeners want to hear any more of this. Allie, today. I'm sorry. This is really important. We got to talk about this. <laughs> How's your basement doing, Allie? You know what? It's funny. I live in a basement. Um, there's no water Ooh. here, so that's great. Nice. Oh. Constant that- dehumidifier running just to keep the moisture out. Yeah. Okay. But I think that's a great metaphor for, for my story and the storm <laughs> that is grief. Um, oh, so great introduction, guys. Oh, God, you no. are a real podcast pro. I was going to say great introduction. Way <laughs> to save us. Uh, get us on track. I I'm, I might let you do most of the interviewing of the, I, I mean, just tell us what you wanted to ask us the questions you want to hear. Uh, I will, uh, you know, I, I'm going to stop now. We're, we're, we've we've stayed on this too long, uh, but Allie is here, and uh, in in a sentence or two, Allie, can you tell us why you're here today? Yeah, I uh, I have a fucked up story about my life having a plan, mm-hmm. um, thinking everything was good and I was headed in the right direction, and then completely unexpectedly, my husband died, um, and I have been living out the long haul of grief mm-hmm. um which is a roller coaster storm chaotic experience um that is so unique to every individual um and i'm here to talk about that well first i'm so sorry um 
I, 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 you know, you and I have talked just a little bit. I've gotten a little bit of the background. Um, and, you know, I can't imagine, but I'm so glad that, that you're here with us today, not just because, you know, I'm, I'm so humbled by getting people's stories all the time, just kind of realized in my own life, how, what, what a wonderful position this is to be in that I get to hear people's stories and, and help them tell them. And it's, it's something that's really meaningful um, and, and so humbling that people are willing to come on and tell. But so I'm happy you're here to be here, but I'm also happy that you're here because it means that you are in a space that you've gotten to that point where you can, you can tell that story. And yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's I'm, an incredible uh, thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here and to, to have a platform to share it. Um, particularly sure. maybe there's people out there that listen to your show that, you know, maybe are, are new to grief and don't even know that they're experiencing it right now. So I'm happy to contribute to the conversation. Well, thank you so much. And Allie, let's just kind of dive right in. And and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to uh, the things when you were on that path that you thought was everything was, was going in the right direction. So um, can you tell us a little bit about, about, you know, meeting your husband? Who were you back then? What, what was it like? Yeah, we were both individually very ambitious, driven, confident people. Mm -hmm. And together, like, it's not an understatement to say that I think we were unstoppable. Like, we were the couple that was going to win the amazing race, right? Okay. We were that good together. Um, okay. We, you know, everybody has like their moments of conflict, but like, we were a incredibly strong team. A power um, duo. Yes, exactly. You know, I think that, you know, in we were we were the couple that like everybody like strived to be. Like we were good at communicating. Mm -hmm. We were, you know, wildly attracted to one another. Um, <laughs> we met at a dive bar. We were well-rounded people. Oh um, yes, the best place. <laughs> the best place to meet people. I've met yeah. so many good people at a dive bar. Exactly. That's a fact. That's yeah. a fact. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the most powerful thing about the two of us is that what I say is that we kind of filled each other's gaps that we didn't mm -hmm. know we had, yeah. right? We met each other when we were both 25 and had kind of come to terms with the fact that like, here are the things that I want from life. And if I can't find them like in other people, like I'm just going to do it by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and we really bonded over like outdoor recreation stuff. We lived in Toronto at the time, but then moved to BC together. Um, I'm Canadian, by the way. Oh, uh, I, yeah, heard, we, I heard we, the Canadian. We got those abouts. We got them. <laughs> <laughs> We work um, with a bunch of people in Ontario too. So we've go. got kind of the pretty specific. We, okay, we hear it. Awesome. So we moved to the West Coast and had a super outdoorsy lifestyle. We were mountain biking and rock climbing and mm -hmm. camping and all, all the outdoorsy things that you can imagine that happen on the West Coast um, and had a really, really beautiful life together. Yeah. Um, and I was like, great, this is awesome. And, you know, you think you have it all figured out in your 20s. Um, and then, you know, 30 rolls around and Will dies. Um, yeah, which was shocking and unexpected. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but traumatic. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and we're just very, we're not going to talk about the specifics of that, yeah. uh, but just very briefly, you know, how, 
very briefly, how did that happen? Yeah. And I think this kind of plays into, you know, the, the nature of our relationship and that it was a, a hiking accident. Um, it wasn't a dangerous hike, unfortunately. Um, well, I guess for better or for worse, you can have your own <laughs> mindset about that. Um, but we always hiked together and this was, you know, one of those times when we didn't and yeah, that's, it happened instantly. And, uh, yeah, it was over. No goodbyes. And so how did you find out about that? Yeah. Uh, I got a phone call. Well, I got many phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it happened out of cell reception. Um, and I was three hours from home on my own at an event and, uh, yeah, had to make my way home with the knowledge that he was never coming home. Had you, I I mean, you were certainly an adventurous couple, it sounds like. And had that idea ever have crossed your mind before? Like, there are things that we do that we might not come back from. No, it hadn't. And that, that might be a, a, you know, looking back a naive mindset, but Mm -hmm. I felt that we were, we were safe, but you know, in some ways we were invincible. And that was just kind of the nature of the, the privilege that I had had leading up to that point. Like I didn't know anyone who had died in that way. Mm-hmm. fully aware of it now that many people die in the outdoors and it's a dangerous place um not to be you know navigated without some level of expertise um but no it it never crossed my mind i thought you know we were going to spend the rest of our lives together and mm-hmm. die holding hands in bed when we were 95 that's the outlook that i had on our relationship Wow. Not, and, and I hear 95 and I, I think uh, you're a bit of an optimist, but uh, also a power couple. So may, you might have gotten there. You, you might have. I think you might have been just sheer force of will could could have gotten you there. Um, but so you're away and you get a phone call. And, and who was the phone call from? Is that I mean, was it a family member? Was it a hospital? Um, there were a couple phone call. So I was at a, an event and I was listening to a speaker. Okay. Um, so my phone had rang a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, Will was a, a firefighter uh, with a, a volunteer firefighter in the town that we lived in. And the fire hall had called me a couple of times, um, which I mm-hmm. thought was a bit strange, but also like, oh, maybe he dropped his phone and damaged it. And he's calling me from the fire hall because sure. that's an easy access phone that he can get to at any time. And he's just letting me know. Um, but there weren't any voicemails left. Um, and then his aunt called me. Um, and I thought like that was a bit strange. So after the event wrapped up, went to a stairwell and, uh, called his aunt back and I was like, what's going on? And that's when she told me what happened. I, I, I can't, uh, I, I can't imagine. I I have only one experience in my life where there was an unexpected death and that call is burned into my head. I've heard it so many times and like I can I can hear 
the, even the timing. It's not just the words. It's like everything about that call and my non-comprehension. Like, was there that moment? Like, what, what are you talking about? I mean, was that kind of the reaction or was it immediately, oh shit, my world's about to change? No, I didn't have the, my world's about to change realizations until probably like six weeks after. I mean, there were glimpses of it, like in Uh those like first six weeks, but I think my body instantly went into shock. Um, My memory of the moment is like a, like white hot numbness. Um, and like sinking to the floor and then a bunch of strangers being like, what's happening? Um, yeah. Wow. So did you just, oh, go ahead, Dan. So how, how did you make it back home? And when you made it back home, is family around? Are you guys on the West coast all alone? Yeah, we are on the West coast on our own. Um, which, you know, is, I think makes my story like a bit unique in that like I there was a a couple people who who came to get me um someone drove my car home I sat in the back seat um and like cried into a friend's lap for three hours um and I was like awake all night and I just remember at moments like I had cried so hard I'm like I'm gonna be sick um and I like reminding me to like you need to breathe because you're like hyperventilating um right now but then I like instantly like I've learned that I've fallen in a crisis so I was instant into like details business what needs to get done who needs to find out what does work need to know so I don't have to come in for the foreseeable future um and I I probably got home at like 4 a.m I like went to my bed, but like, didn't really sleep. And it was like a process of like, okay, making phone calls, like waiting for, you know, the 5am mark so that people are up, you know, three hours in the future. Um, and just being really mindful that like, this is the last night of good sleep that people are probably going to have, um, for a while. Um, and then at that point it was really about holding back the flood. (laughs) Um, as a person who like fawns in a crisis, I'm also like a very empathetic person, Mm -hmm. um, very in tune with like what other people are feeling and can take that energy on very quickly. Like it was very obvious to me that everyone around me was in crisis. And like, instead of doing any sort of like reflection about like, Oh, I'm feeling this. Like, how do I best cope with this feeling? They just like rush to me and they're like, I want to feed you. I want to hold you. I want to, take you to bed. I want to like, make sure you have a shower. Like, and that was so overwhelming, um, in the moment, but it's, uh, it's taught me a lot about what it looks like when, you know, a tragedy happens and how we are particularly around death, really ill-equipped, um, to provide meaningful support, um, in those moments. You know, culturally, we we are told, you know, show up, bring food, make them laugh, bring them a drink, maybe a card. Um, but like everybody is really searching for like an outlet of like, what the hell do I do right now? Um, and often all that energy gets put on the people that are closest to the person who died. 
Yeah, that makes sense. In this example. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was an overwhelming period for sure. So you're do, I can do anything. I mean, it was a, we can do anything kind of attitude, but it sounds like even individually, you guys both had some of that. Um, do you think that was helpful during this time or, or do you think it was kind of prevented you from actually doing what you needed to do for you in the moment? Um, I think, I think it's a bit of both. Um, I think when we experience, you know, these sudden tragic moments, there are strengths that get put into place, but there are also, you know, default settings that we fall back on. And for me, I fell back hard on my people pleasing, like, 100%. 100%. Like everybody else's feelings in those first three days were more important than mine. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until like I had like contact with a therapist that said like, what you need to do is, you know, you need to control what you are experiencing in this moment. Cause that's what leads to positive outcomes later. And I was like, Oh, Okay. And at that point, I started kind of advocating for myself and what I needed, including kind of pushing people back a little bit, which is hard, you know, like seeing the people around me who just wanted to be helpful. And I'd say like, that's not help. Like, I don't need you right now. Um, That was hard. That was hella hard. Um, I I can't, can't imagine in that situation. I mean, all those people want to do, I mean, they're desperate to, to, they're helpless. They feel helpless. Yes. And, you know, doing some of those things at least makes them feel like they're doing something. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I think, too, I'm also a very, like, analytical person. And in those moments, like, I was already looking at themes of, like, where are we failing as a culture in these moments, um, which ultimately like led to this book that I wrote. Um, but yeah, in those, in those moments, it was tough. Um, but I, I think in those early moments, I started to stand up for myself and doing that, I've only built on it since then. And that's something I can reflect on and be like that this, this is what grief has done for me. And I, I like that about myself now. Well, the one thing that I'll say happens over and over on this show is that we talk to people who put a lot of other people first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, and, and I'm certainly one of those, and people pleaser, empath, whatever you want to call us, it's one of those things where a lot of times you don't take the time to say, what do I need? You look around and say, what do others, you know, what, and even it's 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 that awkward situation where people want to help, but you never, I I never want help. I want to be the one helping others. And you were thrust into a position that I don't even know how to say it, but that's kind of like your spouse unexpectedly dying is probably when people are going to want to help more than just about any other situation you can run into. You're not wrong. <laughs> and not only do they want to help, but they don't know what to say and they don't know what words to use. And they 
I can't help but think that a lot of times while their their heart is in the right place, but they're focusing more on it from their perspective than from from your perspective. Like the what does Allie need? What does she feel? What does it's more of a uh, someone passed? How can I help? Well, she might need, you know, some food, probably cooking food is, you know, and do that type of stuff. I imagine a lot of them are coming to you and saying, how can I help? So people are people are coming to you with, you know, with all the best intentions and they're just giving you another job, which is figure out what I can be doing for you. Yes, both of you. Spot on. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And right, like these are common themes when bad things happen, right? Like it's not exclusive to somebody dying unexpectedly. Like these are these are the things that happen when, you know, you go through like terrible terrible breakup you know like find your wife has a boyfriend and a fiance yes exactly yeah right or like someone is raped like these are like bad things happen like all the time and yet like we we haven't done a good job of letting people know that like and I, I'm not quite sure where this comes from. Maybe it's capitalism, but we don't have to go there. But like, there's this <laughs> this instantaneous energy of like, we need to fix this for them, right? It's not a pause. Hey, how am I doing? What, what am I feeling because of this event? It's like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, I have all this anxious energy. And like, I just have to do something for this person. Um. And I think that's that's a theme across the board. Um, but that comes out as I don't know what to say. I'm going to cook. Um, I'm, you know, and I think or or I have to be the one that is most helpful. Like there's like a hierarchy of friendship or yeah. family. Um, and there are specific people who have the right to be doing those things. Um, and I advocate for, um, there's a couple of things and I teach all this in my book. Um, but what's, first, what's the book called? Go ahead and say the, the book, book is called grief ally, helping people you love cope with death, loss, and grief. But really it's helping people you love cope when really bad shit happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing I advocate for is like that moment of reflection, like literally just take a pause. And is it like, are, is my, the person that I am trying to support, you know, asking for my help? Are they showing signs of distress that would indicate that they need support? Or is it me? Like, am I the person who might need to do something about what I am feeling or experiencing right now? And then if the other, if the person needs help, like help them, like, of course, help them. <laughs> um, but just be a little bit more aware when you're like in that moment. And usually the support people like have the capacity to do that. Like the person that you want to help, like you're not rescuing someone from a river, right? The bad thing has already happened. Mm-hmm. And you can take the, you know, minute to five minutes that it takes to just like have a moment with yourself. Um, I understand so- that it's a skill and a muscle that you build. <laughs> but it's <possible. laughs> So, you know, I'm your friend. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, I'm your friend in this scenario. What what is it that you needed from me that like, you know, I just made a casserole and dropped it off on your doorstep. 
probably the 47th casserole you had that day. Um, so much what, cheese. What, I know. What did you, what, <laughs> what did you need from me? And, you know, clearly my intentions are good. Clearly I want to help. Clearly I don't want to be a pain for you. What were the actions that you needed from me and how do I understand that or get an understanding of what your needs are without giving you a job? Yeah, 100%. So I advocate that like grief support is a team sport. So if you can coordinate with the other people who are making casseroles, right? Because everybody's goal, and I guarantee that you will get this chance, is like if you are a team, you will get to be on the field. It might not mean that that will happen that day. It might not happen that week. It might not be in that year. But if you remain close to that person and just be like, hey, I'm here. I'm on your team. I will love you no matter what. Like I recognize that you doing what you need to do right now is going to equate to a positive outcome later. Mm -hmm. Like I am willing to hold back and wait for the time when you need me. In the meantime, here are the things that I am really good at, which means that if you are not a person who cooks, like you're not a kitchen person, you don't have to be a kitchen person. Like maybe like you are willing to like shovel snow for them or you are willing to like help with the paperwork or the lawyers or planning or walking the dog or childcare. Like there are a suite of things that you already are skilled at, already have the resources to do. Like you don't have to do food. Yeah. Um, and then also, I think the most important thing to recognize is like just the, like the tiniest bits of grief literacy. And that is like, we don't fix grief. Like grief is just something like you learn to live with. I, I talk about grief as like an energy that happens when an attachment changes. So like will dying change that attachment for me, right? And so there's always going to be an energy about that. And that can't be fixed unless Will comes back from the dead. And we haven't figured out how to do that yet. So like, it's going to be something that I live with forever. And people need to recognize that because that is the truth, we can't fix it. Mm -hmm. What we can do is just make people's lives easier and more comfortable while they learn to live with that energy. All right. Well, I am not volunteering to shovel for anyone uh, that the shoveling snow I, I, I get to do that enough for myself and I'm not a fan and my back will hurt for days. So, um, if anyone, if anyone needs me to make a podcast for them in their grief, that is what I'm offering up. <laughs> or I, maybe I you make a podcast playlist, right? Like, Hey, I've gathered these episodes on like things I think you might find funny wow. things that like, if you're looking for a community, like oh. maybe you want to learn more about this topic. We can do that. That was the most brilliant answer. It really was. Right? I, 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 and I appreciate it so much. Um, cause you're right. Like that's, I'm not thinking about my skills. I'm not thinking about, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about, again, it goes back to that helpless feeling Yeah. for me and probably a lot of people. And it's, it's just like, well, I know people do this in times of grief, so I'm going to do that. Yeah. And like, that's, that's, that's the narrative, right? Like we mm -hmm. don't give people the skills beyond just drop off a casserole, send a card, go to the funeral and maybe tell a joke. Right. Like my best friends, my like best friends, we've been best friends since grade five. Like, and this, this is like the impetus for like why I wrote the book, why I've like dedicated like my work now to like helping people learn about grief support is that after the funeral, 
the multiple funerals. We have multiple funerals. Um, my best friends had sent me a basket pre-funerals, right? Grapes, cheese, crackers, lovely. They sent a basket because mm-hmm. that's what we do. That's what we our parents did as kids, right? They sent food. And then after the funeral, I wasn't okay, right? Like I was, I was visibly going downhill. Um, because at the funeral, everybody talks about the person that you love, right? Like it's like you feel like wrapped in a hug, like this feels lovely. Um but afterwards, I'm like, all that started to kind of like dissipate. And the only tools that my best friends had, who still remain to be my best friends now, were like, do we send another basket? Right. Right. Like that's going to help. But it's that helpless piece. Right. And that's the only narrative that we are taught about grief. Right. Keep sending food. <laughs> <laughs> this, and don't get I, me wrong. I, I harp on casseroles and food a lot. There, there is a moment for it, right? right? There is value to providing someone food. And I am grateful for all the meals that I received. I'm, I am not, you know, sure. harping on them in any way. But I just think there is more right. that you can do. That sounds like a very Midwestern brand of coping. <laughs> but you were on the West Coast. So is that universal to at least the Americas? <laughs> It, it it might be universal, but I think Canada and the Midwest uh, United States have a lot in common. Yeah. That's fair. Midwest, East Coast, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, all right. And would most of your advice be to the person experiencing grief and say, okay, these are the things that are going to happen and, you know, you're going to have to navigate through? Or is it more to the people like me on the other side who have not experienced this and telling me the advice of this is how you should behave uh, with this person. I'd say it's, it's both. And so my beef with grief support Mm -hmm. is that we make the bereaved do all the work right now. Mm -hmm. And grief manifests like a brain injury, right? Like you are, impaired cognitively, sometimes physically, like grief is a full body experience. And to ask people who are having that experience to then be the leaders of what they need is is asking a lot on top of them just existing in those early days. Mm-hmm. Later on, you know, the fog ebbs and flows. We build more capacity to live with what that grief experience. So later on, it might be less difficult. But in those early days, like my, and I think this is a bit of like a unique spin, like I ask more of the community around them to do the work. And I mean, first piece of advice, I'd say buy my book. It's not as intense as you think. It's only 135 pages. It's an audio book. Like you can finish it in an hour on like one and a half speed. Like it's got like some super quick tips. But then like all of like all of that support that you were offering, like I have like three kind of guiding principles. And if it fits into those three guiding principles, like you're doing a good job. So the first is like just unconditional love, like know that you are going to screw up, show that unconditional love to yourself and show that unconditional love to the person who is going to change based on this loss that they have experienced. And like, if you can love each other, like through the long haul of this, you're going to be okay. Your relationship will probably be different. Like grief just does that. It changes things. Um, You're going to be okay. The second is like, 
just deep respect for what that person is living with. Like, as I said, you know, grief is like a full body experience. There's cognitive, there's physical, spiritual, like it'll change everything about your person. So just like respect that they're coping with a lot. And then on top of that, there's like the paperwork, there's the planning, there's just like life things that happen on top of grieving. And then the third thing is empowerment. Are you empowering this friend who is grieving to do what it is that they need to be able to live with this? And I think by expressing that you're going to love them no matter what, that you're going to ex- respect everything that you're they are experiencing, then ultimately empowerment is the next step. And we know that just like trauma recovery science, when someone experiences trauma, the most agency, like the more agency that they can express and have met, then the better off they're going to be down the road, right? Like trauma happens when you're trapped, right? So you might experience an an event, but if your support system respects everything that you need to do to figure out how to live with it, you're going to be more okay down the road. Um, So yeah, those three things, unconditional love, respect, empowerment. I love that. Yeah. So first and foremost, we're going to have, you know, a link to your, to your book, to your resources uh, uh, in the show notes here. But if it's all right with you, I'm also going to add that to the resources page on our website. Um, So we don't have to have people who are experiencing grief or want to support those in grief, uh, digging through show notes for, uh, you know, I'm sure the show won't last past 22 episodes, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I've got high hopes for you guys. I appreciate that. But uh, those will be on the resources page of our website too, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. If that's the attitude, it looks like I'm looking for a new producer. Uh, If there are any dude, Allie's very skilled. You can see how good she is at (laughs) transitioning and about bringing things on topic. So uh, I I have a recommendation for you, Scott. Hey, producer and co-host Allie. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks um, for the job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it, it 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 pays nothing, and occasionally it has expenses. So, uh, it's a pretty sweet gig. It's we fully remote though, fully remote. I, that's that is what the kids are excited about today, and so am I. So, but yeah, um, I I'm absolutely interested in in, in not not just interested. I I it, this sounds like some much needed work um and i i even shared with you like my experience with death has been minimal and i'm scared you know and when you were lost your husband you're probably too young to be scared about something like that i mean who's thinking about it it wasn't even on my radar to be very honest like in my world people died when they were old like I, I had have one living grandparent, mm-hmm. um, but the rest of them, like I experienced all their deaths and I had yet to experience a death in my life that would change who I was. And, you know, some people get to go their whole lives without experiencing that. Right. Um, but the reality is, is that people do die young. Mm-hmm. People die in accidents. People die of cancer and death is always around us. Like there are people carrying grief everywhere if we are courageous enough to like open the floor and talk about it um but i say that like scott like it's it's not your fault that like 
you have like you don't have that like that and it scares you a bit like we don't talk about death um in the western world right like when people started dying in hospitals and like funeral homes became like institutions like death is so far removed from our daily lives um that we don't have to face it um until it's you know happens to us <laughs> yeah and it's you know i i similarly you know, I have I, I have a grandparent still alive and, you know, most of the people who have passed that I've known, it, it was they were older. And, you know, my grandpa was the first and he was only in his 60s. But, it, you know, I was younger and it just still seemed like he was old, you know. Yeah. And. You know, it's something that I can I I can't imagine. I the the your world changes in a phone call. Yeah. And it's you know, there where where did you turn? Like, did you go online? Were you googling? Were you looking for grief resources? Were you looking for other people who had you know grievings, uh, uh, widows, and that type of stuff? Yeah, I, um, I did a lot of searching, mm -hmm. um, mostly because my experience of grief has been marked by like loneliness. And I think that's a, um, that's an attribute of partner loss, right? Like not only did I like, I, I, someone I love died, but the person that like was my partner in life died. So all of a sudden, like all, all the time that we spent together, like very like intimate moments, like I didn't have to share with anyone. Mm -hmm. um, I went from like, is it our bed or like, is it my bed? Like, is it our house or is it, is it my house? Is it our car? Or is it my car? Like it's a very like disorienting experience um, to kind of lose, lose the mirror um, that you kind of have through life. Um, so like my, my search was like the community piece was in search of something to curb the loneliness. Mm -hmm. And to be very honest, like I didn't find it in the places where you typically would assume that someone finds like community in, in grief. Like there are the support groups where you hear other people's stories. You can get peered up repaired up with like a peer who has experienced a similar loss and like I tried those things but like it was too much to hear other people's experiences and often like they were so far ahead of me like in their own experiences that like that they're the moments in time where they had felt like I felt in that moment like it didn't mean anything to me I was like yeah but doesn't matter. I don't want to hear your story. Like, listen to me, like, listen to how terrible this is, right. um, how catastrophic this is to like my life and my identity. Um, so the, where I found community was actually like in books. Like I read a lot of um, World War II type stories about um, people being separated from their families in war. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did a lot of like research. I list, like I did all the continuing education courses that therapists, um, take to like learn about what I was experiencing personally, just to have a better understanding of why it felt 
so terrible. Um, and then also like I, I decided to go back to school and have found community and other people who have taken their, their experiences of like loss or trauma or tragedy and are using that as a way to like help other people. Um, so yeah, it, there was, then there was like a lot of searching about like, how do I fix this? Because like, ultimately, like I didn't want to feel that way. And I recognized that like, there wasn't a, there wasn't a bargaining stage for me. Like some people do have that where they're like, please come back. Like I'll do anything for you to come back. Sure. Um, or like, I'll, I'll do anything to like leave this world. So like I can be with the person that I want. Um, and so it was a lot of like trying to like fix this feeling. Like there's gotta be an answer out there to like feel better. Mm -hmm. And around like the year two mark, it's now been almost four years since he died. Like I got super depressed because I was like, Oh, I can't fix this. Um, so that is like a hard, hard one lesson yeah. um, of like, this is just something I'm going to have to live with. Yeah. And you know, I, I heard things that are similar uh, and I, I i i of course you know death and divorce are two very much different things but there's grief and divorce and absolutely absolutely scott and like that's the thing i say about grief right like grief is a change in attachment so it doesn't have to be death related it's just a change in attachment you can be attached to people places things ideas all of it there's grief in everything and when you know i I wouldn't say I, I don't know what words to use. Uh, I my relationship uh, went down in a blaze of glory and uh, it was not the usual experience. You know, learning some things kind of ripped the bandaid off where it was like, oh, OK, this this is over and there's nothing I could do. And there was a, a, some relief and some other positive feelings in the end. But also my future died in an instant. Yes. It was everything that I thought that I was working toward was gone. And who am I? What am I? Am I even doing what I want? Is this, am I on the right path? I mean, just so many fucking questions. And I can only imagine that when it's a death of a partner, it's, it's that like times 10. Yeah. And I mean that the, the reality of is like, I will never know what your experience was like and you will never know what, what mine is like. Um, but they can be like equally life changing. Yes. yes. 100%. And, and, you know, as, as I'm saying here and said that it, it, you know, it's probably that times 10. I also want to remind people that we don't, we don't compare our traumas. Um, their trauma, their, their life changing. And regardless if they're, you know, we, we've, we've had the, use the term little T trauma versus the big T trauma. Um, but they impact your lives and, you know, you should never feel any shame in, in, well, first experiencing it, but in, in the way you react and the way, I mean, it's, it's intense. And, Allie, I'm, you know, it seems like you've, 
you're doing incredible things and things that are, are needed. And, you know, we're trying to do that too. I, you know, I feel that I, I feel that, that we're kind of in, in similar places in that way. And I admire, you know, you, you come on here with so much personality and wisdom and I, I love to see, you know, the smiling and I know that the smiles aren't always indicative of where people are at. Um, but, you know, on, on your journey, it, it's, it's probably never going to end, but are, are you, wh- where would you say you're at right now? That's a great question, Scott. Um, in this moment in time, <laughs> <laughs> um, this might change tomorrow. Sure. Who knows? Um, but I like the person that I am today, like I love myself and respect my own strengths, weaknesses, like who I am as like a whole person wildly more than I ever did before Will's death. And I think that has just been a process of like, I have been willing to, you know, really like lean in um, to the explosion that like happened um, after Will died. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I really like myself. Um, <laughs> well, we like you too. <laughs> we like you too. You're a decent fucking human. Uh, ah, of course, you. of course, we like you. Um, and and my my final question on on grief and how to support people, I guess, is what is the biggest mistake you see people make? I love this question. The biggest mistake that I see people make is letting fear stop them from trying to support someone they care about, right? Like they would rather not do anything than get it wrong. And my advice to them in that situation is like, not doing anything is the wrong thing to do. So show up, like any mistake can be recovered from if you are willing to like apologize for it, like recognize that you made a mistake and like carry on trying. Like that's gold. Um, but withdrawing and saying like, sorry, like this makes me feel too much. Like yeah. well, that's a, maybe that, in the beginning, sure, that's fine. But like three years later, like you've had time to do some work. Yeah. Um, well, and, and that's, <laughs> I, I mean, in some ways, I, I don't know if this is using the term the correct way, but I, or using it for this is the correct way, but that that's a, that is a fucking privilege to be able to say, you know what? I can't handle it. I'm not going to deal with it. And I'm, I'm sure they're not always comfortable that with their decision or, or their, you know, there's sometimes I get paralyzed and don't know what to do. Right. Um, but you've got an opportunity to do the right thing or to do something. And it's, it's, it's a privilege to be able to say, well, that, that, that's too hard. And where someone like you does not have the choice, you're going through it. Yeah. And I think, you know, they have the privilege at that point, but I would tell anybody who's choosing to take that path, like one day it's going to hit you and you're going to be fucked because (laughs) everybody else has like everybody else who has experienced it. Like you're not connected to them anymore. Like not showing up is how you lose people. Like that's how relationships end. And and Um, I have heard that, you know, there are a lot of relationships that do end after a, a death and 
not because your families or because the connection is gone, but because people don't know how to deal with it. Or I've even heard that like when someone has a terminal diagnosis that sometimes friends abandon because they don't know what to do and it makes them uncomfortable. And you're right that like, Jesus, that's the one, if there's one thing you're not going to do, shouldn't do, that's not helpful. That's it. Yeah. So exactly. Anyway, uh, Allie, you've been great. Is there, is there anything else? I, I mean, plug the book again. Uh, where, do, where do we buy it? Uh, tell me all that fun stuff. Yeah. So the book is called Grief Ally, Helping People You Love Cope with Death, Loss, and Grief. Um, you can find it online at all the major book retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Chapters Indigo, if you're in Canada. Um, your local bookstore can order it for you if you want to support a local bookstore. Um, and if you want to reach out to me, if you want to work with me, um, you can find me on my website, alliebird.com, Ally spelled A-L-Y bird like bird um and you can find me on social media at the alley bird all right fantastic thank you so much ali you've been wonderful you know dan and i are always grateful and and i've i've failed to come up with a better word but like honored and, and humbled uh by the storytelling by by people willing to come and not just share with us but share with our listeners and I think it does a little good in the world. So thank you so much for being here. This was great. <laughs> this was great. I, I hate, I always hate saying that it's great when we're talking about such serious things and such trauma, but it is. And, and it truly uh, enjoyed our hour or so this morning. So Allie, thank you for being on. Yes. Listeners, terrible listeners, go buy this book. You don't buy it when you need it, because then it's going to be a little bit late, although that's better than not buying it at all. And I'm saying this not just from pushing something from someone who's been such a, a, a great guest today, but honestly, for someone like me who is scared about when I experience some things that I've never experienced before, I am absolutely planning on, on buying it. Uh, so thanks for showing up today. Thank you for telling your story. And as always, it has been absolutely, positively terrible. I met you back at Tonica's fest. I confess I was nervous and stressed because I thought you were the best. I was right. And that night we got into a rotten fight that I won. I shot you in the face. It was fate. I offered you a spree. You declined. I said, keep it your might. Decide to change your mind. You did.
stressed because I thought you were the best I was right.